I'm so excited I could crush a grape. I could, I could take some toilet tissue and rip it like this. So, are we going to lean into the Word of God tonight? Uh, I don't, like very rarely do I preach this message. Uh, when I was a pastor for 25 years, I used to preach this message every single year. How many of you know sometimes we can forget the basics? Sometimes we can get all caught up in stuff and we can actually forget the reason why we are here. How many of you know we are supernatural people? We have access to another realm that the world does not have. We have access to resources that the world does not have. And if I had one message to preach before I died, it would be this one. And I hope I'm not prophesying tonight, but I want you to stay with me tonight. Can I, can I ask you to lean into the Word of God tonight? Because when, when the revelation of this message really hits you, I mean, you know, when, when the revelation of this, this is not a sermon, this is a revelation from heaven that every single believer should have. You will never have confidence before the devil to resist him until you have confidence before God. The Bible says that we are to submit ourselves to God first, then we can resist the devil. The problem is many Christians don't know how to have confidence before God. So um, my, my prayer tonight is that you leave this meeting, um, first of all, with a revelation of the power of the name of Jesus and confidence before God. I remember my son, um, he's now 46. That's quite depressing. And uh, he, um, but I remember when he was like five years of age and I'm in my study and, uh, you know, I'm just studying and he just, he just barges into my office, comes up to my, my, where I am, and he says, Dad, can you give me money for an ice cream? So I give him money for an ice cream, and he goes, oh, thank you, Dad. Off he goes, buy money for an ice cream. And as he walked out, my heavenly father said to me, Ray, why can't you be like that with me? I said, Lord, what do you mean? And he said, as one father to another father. How would you feel? If your son came to your office door and he was rehearsing what to say because he was so afraid of the, the response and, and, and then, and then he, he, he knocked the door like, like this and then he heard a voice inside saying, who is there? And then shaking in his shoes, he said, it's only me, my father, this humble son. Can I enter your room? And he heard the sound. Come in. So he opens the door, then he falls on his face and he crawls across the carpet, confessing his sins, saying, oh, Father, I don't deserve what I'm about to ask you for because last week I put the dog down the toilet and I pulled the chain and it's, it's sinful. And then I picked my nose, put it in my sister's dinner. I know, but please... Exalted one, can you give me money for an ice cream? He said, how would you feel as a dad? 
I said, Lord, I'd feel terrible. He said, well, how do you think I feel? When all over the planet, after what I've done for my children, they still feel they should crawl before me, feeling unworthy. He said, Ray, go tell my children they can come boldly into my presence, face me face to face and ask me and I will give. Come on, somebody say amen. But what is it that gives us that confidence? You see, it's all right to say it, but we need something from the word to give us confidence. And the reason why we don't have that sort of confidence before God is because we really don't understand the wonder of the covenant that we are involved with, with him. Now, you know, covenant is something that we talk about. We, in our culture, we really don't understand it. Perhaps the marriage covenant is the closest. But let me try and explain to you uh, in, in my limited vocabulary, this, uh, the wonder of covenant. Now, I'm going to read this scripture in 1 Samuel chapter 18. Uh, and, uh, and, and then we'll go for it. Are you still with me tonight here? Yeah, watch this. So Jonathan, verse 3, Then Jonathan and David made a covenant, and because he loved him as his own soul, and Jonathan took off the robe that he was, that he, that was on him and he gave it to David along with his armor, even to his sword and his bow and his belt. Now, let me just explain. When two Hebrew men entered into a covenant with each other, they went through a ritual, okay? They would meet in an open field, normally surrounded by witnesses, but David and Jonathan were making this covenant between them uh, on their own with no witnesses, and they would meet uh, in a field facing each other, and they would go through a ritual. The first thing they would do is take off their coat and exchange coats. The coat was symbolic of the character of the person. So they were saying to each other, today, everything I am, I give to you. Then they would take their belt off. On their belt was their weapons, the sword, spear, all the weaponry was on their belt. So when they exchanged their belts, they were saying, uh, my strength, all my strength, I give to you today. If an enemy comes against you to fight you, you have a covenant brother, they have to fight me also. Then they would get a, uh, some animals and they would split them down the backbone. Whenever you read of a sacrifice in the Old Testament where they would take an animal and split them down the backbone, it's always connected with covenant. If you're still with me, say amen. I'm taking you on the journey. You've got to get a layer foundation. So there was a wall of blood here and a wall of blood uh, each side. And by doing that, they were saying to each other, I am dying to my rights today. And I'm not just living for myself. I'm living for you also. And may it be done to me as we did to these animals if I don't fulfill my part of the covenant. Watch this. Some of you away ahead, but stay with me. Don't eat the person in front of you yet. Then 
they would turn around like this and they would do a figure eight walk. The figure eight is the sign for infinity. No beginning, no ending. And they were saying to each other, if you die before I die, I am obligating myself to meet the needs of your seed. I'm obligated to meet the needs of your kids. Then they would take a knife and very carefully, when they did the figure eight walk, they would cut their, uh, the palms of their hands. When we shake our hand over a business deal, this is where it comes from. So they'd cut their hand, they'd seal the covenant with blood and, and, and they would, by doing that, they were saying, I, I am obligating myself to bless you even if it kills me. Even if it means me giving my life, I'm obligating, irrespective of what you do, I'm obligating myself. Come on, somebody say amen. Then they would take the knife, they would heat it up, and they would cauterize the wounds so that the marks would be on their hands forever. Then they would sit down and they would exchange names, have a meal and exchange names. That's where we get our marriage covenant from. Now, uh, let me just uh, get closer and closer until we get to, to where you are. But that's what David and Jonathan did. It was an ancient uh, uh, ceremony of covenant making. Now, I, I was studying this and trying to work this out in my heart. And I read a story in a newspaper, I'm just reading the newspaper, and I read a story of a, a young British businesswoman who went to the Middle East and she became friendly with this girl out there. And they became very close. And the, middle, the, the girl from Arabia said, I want to be your blood sister. Now, the English girl didn't know what she meant. She said, yeah, okay, let's be friends. No, not friends. I want to be your blood sister. And they went through a ritual very similar to the one I just described. She came back to England. A couple of months later, she lost everything. Her business went downhill, lost her property, lost her business, lost her money, and she became bankrupt, lost everything. And she just happened to write to her friend in Arabia, in, in somewhere. And, uh, and three days later, knock on the door. She opened the door and there was this Arabian friend. She said, what are you doing? Well, nice to see you. She said, what are you doing here? She said, well, you've got a problem. Yeah, I know I've got a problem, but you could have just sent a postcard or an email or something. I mean, not trap. No, she said, don't you remember what we did? I said, yeah, we became friends. No. She said, when I made a covenant with you, this is the essence of covenant. If you have a need and I have the means to meet the need, I'm obligating myself, no question, to meet the need. She said, yeah. Well, she said, my father owns 20 oil wells. I've got some shacks. I've got some spondulax. You know what I'm saying? That girl, watch this. That girl stayed in the country, paid off her debts, bought her new property, set her up in business, and it was only when she realized that she was okay, she went back. How, are you getting an idea of what covenant means right here? 
Stay with me now because this is wild. This is amazing. God looks down from heaven a couple of thousand years ago and he says, I want to give myself away to someone. And he looked down and he saw this guy called Abram, A-B-R-A-M. Remember that. And he says, I'll choose him. There was nothing in Abram that caused God to come to him to choose him. He was an idolater. He worshipped the moon god, Nanar. The guy was just a wally, walking around, just worshipping everything. And God says, I choose him. I want to tell you something. You didn't decide to give your life to Jesus. He decided to get you. He decided to just smell you out and choose you. Jesus said, you didn't choose me. I chose you. So anyway, so he gets this guy, Abraham, gets him out of a place called Ur. He lived in a place called Ur. What a great place to live. Where are you from, Abraham? Uh, no, where are you, where are you from? I uh, oh, forget it. So he's from Ur. Are you still with me here? I'm taking you on a journey, white. So he lives now. So then he takes him out of this land. And then for no reason at all, he brings him to Canaan. He says, you see all this? I'm giving it to you. And Abraham's freaking out. He's done nothing to deserve it. And, 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 and this is what he says to God. He said, Lord, he said in Genesis chapter, in Genesis chapter 15, God says, I am the Lord who brought you out of the earth of the Chaldees to give you this. You're not going to earn it. You're not going to work for it. It's not because of your faithfulness that I'm giving it to you. Now, that's enough to freak anybody out. You know, when someone comes up to you and says, you know what? I've just decided to give you my Porsche. And you know you've done nothing to deserve it. You say, what's the catch? What's up with this? So Abraham is trying to take all this generosity in. And this is what he says. Oh God, how can I know that I will keep this? Give me something to stand on when I get self-doubt. When I'm looking at my own behavior and unfaithfulness, Please, will you give me something to stand on when I doubt this stuff? And do you know what God said? He said, okay, I'm going to enter into a covenant with you as if you were entering into a covenant with another man. Because the, the, this custom of covenant making was around a long time before God approached Abraham. Are you still with me? Say amen. Now, this is amazing. God goes through the ritual with Abraham as if Abraham was going through the ritual with another man. What was the first part of the ritual? The coat. So Abraham's ready to enter, go through this ritual. God says to Abraham, this is wild. He says to him in Genesis 15, Abraham, I am your very great reward. God was taking his coat off. Everything that God is, is wrapped up in those two little words, I am. The second thing he did was take his belt off. He says, I am your shield. If anybody comes against you from this day on to fight you, they got to fight me as well. 
That's pretty cool, isn't it? Then the splitting of the animals and the figure eight walk. So Abraham got the animals, wall of blood here, wall of blood here. What was the significance? This day, I no longer live for myself, but I live for you. And then the figure eight walk, the figure eight walk was the sign of infinity and they cut the covenant. So Abraham's trying to figure this out. How am I going to do this figure eight walk with God and cut the covenant? And you know what God did? God put him to sleep. The only thing that Abraham did to ratify the covenant was snore. That's all he did. <laughs> Are you still with me, everybody? So watch this. What was the sign of, in, of the figure eight walk? The meaning? Uh, Abraham, if you die before me, and there's a very strong possibility that will be the case. If you die before me, I'm obligating myself to meet the needs of your seed. Now watch this. So Abraham was sleeping and God woke him up for a second. And the first thing he did was look towards the sacrifice because somebody had to cut the covenant with God. Abraham was a human, so that's never going to happen. And the Bible says that Abraham saw a smoking pot and a blazing torch pass between the center of the animals. Somebody was cutting a covenant with God on Abraham's behalf. That's when Abraham saw the Lord Jesus Christ cut a covenant with the Father for him and not for him, but for the whole world. Some of you may say, Ray, how do you know that? Because Jesus himself said, Abraham rejoiced to see my day. The Bible says that God preached the gospel to Abraham even before Jesus came. Come on, somebody say amen right here. I love it. Oh, I'm going to get saved after this myself. So the covenant was cut. What was the last part of the ritual? The exchange of names. Now this is why this blew me away. The Old Testament name for God was written in a way that you couldn't say it. They reverenced the name so much. Y-H-W-H or Yahweh, Jehovah. So the exchange of names, God says, no longer will they call you Abram. But God took the out of his name. And he said, they will call you now Abraham. No longer would they call your wife Sarai, but Sarai. God took the breath. God took the breath. God took the life out of His name and breathed His nature into Abraham. I want to tell you, when you got saved, not only were your sins forgiven forever, but God breathed his very nature into your nature. It is no longer, come on somebody, it is no longer you who lives, but it's Christ who lives in you. I'm, I'm taking you on a journey. Are you still with me? Say amen. Hey, but it was an exchange of names. You check it out from Genesis 15 on. 
the El Shaddai Elohim God became known as the God of Abraham. People get all upset about tattoos. God was the first one to have a tattoo. Do you know what's on his hand? Your name is tattooed on his hand. This is a two-way exchange right here. Somebody give praise to Jesus right here because, because I'm getting to the point here. <laughs> is this okay for a Sunday night? I, I want to leave you with something. I want to leave you with something that will change your life forever. If you die before me, that's what God said to Abraham. I'm obligated to meet the need of your seed. And that's when Galatians 3 verse 29 came alive to me. This is what Jesus says. If you belong to Christ, you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. In other words, God says, if any one of my children have a need, I am obligating myself irrespective of how they feel or behave to meet that need. Come on, don't we serve an amazing God? And I'm going to show you something. So let's go back. Let's go back. Let's go back to uh, the covenant with David and Jonathan. We know the story. Jonathan got killed. Saul was killed. And David was coming back into the city to take up his rightful place. As he was coming back into the city, all the people were terrified that David would kill them. So they started to scream and run and shout, David is coming, we've got to get out of the city. And there was a little nurse and she picked up a little baby and she was running and she was jostled and they were saying, get out of here, David's going to kill you. And she picks up this little baby and as she was running, she fell and the baby broke both his legs. She picked him up and ran and ran to a desert place called Lodibar, a horrible desert place. And the little boy was called Mephibosheth. If you're having a little baby boy, it's a lovely name to give him. Mephibosheth, and Mephibosheth was Jonathan's son. Now watch this. He grew up to be a young man, and all he was told, David is your worst enemy. If David gets hold of you, he'll torture you. He'll kill you. He's a tyrant. And all his life, he grew up, Mephibosheth, believing that David was his worst enemy. So one day, David could have been worshiping Yahweh um, on top of his house, and his tunic could have slipped. And he saw the mark. And he remembered, I'm in covenant with Jonathan. And he shouts out, hey, does Jonathan have any kids? And so one of the guards says, well, apparently there's a, there, he has a kid uh, and he's lame uh, and his name is Mephibosheth and he lives in Lodibar. David said, go get him now. So the captain of the guard took a, a, some soldiers and down they go to Lodibar. And the lookout can see the sun shining off the armor of the soldiers. And panic again went through the town. David has found us. David has found us. And Mephibosheth heard those words. David, my worst enemy. I can't get out of here. He dragged himself across the room to get out. The door was kicked open. And the captain of the guard said, is there anyone in here called Mephibosheth? 
And he just groveled on the ground and said, it's me. And they put him on a horse and he went up to Jerusalem and they took him through the gates and went into the palace and right into the very throne room of David. And David was sitting there in full royal regalia and they threw him down on the floor. And Mephibosheth was just waiting for the steel to go through his neck. He was shivering with fear. I am now in the presence of this tyrant. And so David said, is your name Mephibosheth? He probably didn't answer. I said, is your name Mephibosheth? Look at me. He was terrified. Mephibosheth, look at me. And he raised his head, fear dancing in his eyes. He said, is, is your name Mephibosheth? He said, yeah. He says, can I call you Fib? <laughs> well, and David lifted up his tunic and he said, Mephibosheth, do you understand what these marks on my hand are? And he said, well, everybody knows, David, you're in covenant with someone. And that means everything you have is theirs uh, without any obligation. Uh, and we all know. He said, do you know who I'm in covenant with? And he's thinking, is this a trick question? <laughs> Mephibosheth, I'm in covenant with your dad. Everything I have is yours. The only thing that can release me from my obligation is if you say no. Is it yes or no? I've been eating lizard on toast <laughs> for 25 years. Um, what was the question again, Dave? <laughs> <laughs> is it yes or a no? Let me think about it. Yes! Yeah, 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 yeah. Woo, 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 woo. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, yes. Come on, somebody. Yes, 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 yes. And they pick him up and he goes into the palace and the first place he goes to is the fridge. And he opens the fridge and he's like a flipping gannet. He's grabbing everything. He's eating everything. He gets the sweet and sour pork. No, it wouldn't be that. It would be the chicken. And he's getting the chicken. And, he's, and the people in the palace who've been there all their lives are looking at this scruffy little man acting as if he owns the place. And they said, give me that chicken. That's my flipping chicken. He just grabbed another one. And then they started, I can imagine, hey, who are you? You're just coming in here, you smelly, scruffy little thing with a weird name, and you walk in. Well, who gives you the right to come in here and act as if you own the place? Who gives you the right? And he's listening to all this. And Mephibosheth just wipes his mouth. He said, don't argue with me, baby. Go and ask David why he's got the marks on his hands. And the devil has been speaking in the ears of people here. What gives you the right? You're unfaithful as a Christian. 
Your behavior is disgusting. You know this and that. And the devil's giving you this. What gives you the right to live with joy? What gives you the right to live with peace? What gives you the right to ask God for money? What gives you the right to ask God to heal you? Don't argue with the devil. Just wipe the stuff off your face and say to the devil, take an example from Mephibosheth. Hey, buddy. Hey, not buddy. Hey, you, whatever. Hey, listen, just hold on. Don't argue with me. Go ask Jesus why he's got the marks on his hands. Go ask Jesus why he's got the marks in his side. Go ask Jesus why he's got, come on, somebody. You better give God praise in this house. Go ask Jesus. That gives me the right because God has obligated himself. Now, when you pray in the name of, do you know what? Under the old, I'm wrapping this up. Have you received the word of God tonight? I pray you'll never forget this. And you know, in the old covenant, whenever God said, after this incident, whenever God said, I am Jehovah, Jehovah is his covenant name. So when he said, I am Jehovah, the people listened because they realized whatever comes next, he's obligating to give us. So when they needed guidance, he would say, I am Jehovah. I am Jehovah. Whenever he needed, whenever they needed peace, he would say, I am Jehovah. Shalom. Whenever they needed guidance, he would say, I am Jehovah Ra, your shepherd. Whenever they needed deliverance, he would say, I am Jehovah Nisi, the one that fights for you. Whenever they needed healing, he would say, I am Jehovah Rapha, I am your doctor. And whenever they needed provision, he would say, I am Jehovah Jireh, your provider. And some of you were saying, Ray, which one was the one for the money? Which I forgot. No, listen, that's old covenant. God has made it easy in the new covenant because he's wrapped all his names up into one name. And at the name of Jesus, come on, at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue somebody better give praise to Jesus in this house right here. Wow. There is power in the name of Jesus. It's God's covenant name to you and me. But Ray, I don't feel I deserve it. Of course not, you plonker. You don't deserve it. That's the whole point I've been speaking for 25 minutes. <laughs> but Ray, I, what did I just tell you for 30 minutes? Abraham said, you're giving me all this? Give me something to stand on. And God gave him covenant. It's no longer about you, Abraham. You're going to lie about your wife. You're going to tell twice you're going to lie. You're going to say that she's your sister just to save your skin. But I still love you. <laughs> I'm still going to bless you. It's no longer about your behavior. It's about my obligation to covenant. 